Welcome back to Thirsty the Podcast. I'm Heather McGee. And I'm Laura Koo. Today, we're asking, is it possible to change your attachment style? Hi, everybody. Um, Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, please um, shop at thirstythepodcast.com, buy a t-shirt or a mug or something fun, Um, share the podcast with your friends or anybody who you feel like this um, content would resonate with, rate and review us on your podcasting platform, follow us on socials. And we also have a subscription through Apple Podcasts. It's $1.99 a month and you get extra content. And if you subscribe for a year at a time, you get 5% off. So, you know, might as well. Okay. So today I am so excited what we're talking about today, because actually Laura and I have been talking about this for a long time. We've been wanting to do an episode on this for a long time. So I'm so excited that we're finally doing it. Attachment styles. We're going to talk about attachment styles and relationships specifically, which describes the way we relate to others. A lot of you probably have heard of it. Some of you, like me, may not have heard of it until recently. I know I had never heard about this until I started dating after leaving my marriage, and I happened to run across it in one of those Facebook dating groups. So this idea may or may not be new to you, but we thought it was worth talking about, worth diving into. Um, There's some really interesting ways to think about it, ways to work with it, helps you understand yourself and your partner a little bit better, I think things you can work on in yourself. Attachment theory. So I learned a lot. We've been we've been diving into this and researching. <laughs> so we've been hearing a lot of anecdotal stuff, but we actually like dove in and studied, you know, like little students. And we actually learned some things. Like attachment theory was actually founded by psychoanalyst John Bowlby. These names are amazing. <laughs> in the 1950s and then expanded on by Mary Ainsworth. Okay, so here's some history, a little history lesson. And this idea of attachment theory outlines how your bond with your primary caregivers, aka perhaps your parents, whoever might have raised you, and it sets the foundation for how you navigate relationships throughout life with big impact, especially on your romantic relationships. So when we talk about attachment theory, there are four main styles. So we're going to set the scene here a little bit. There's secure, there's anxious, there's avoidant. Now, I had known about those three, but this fourth Mm -hmm. one was actually new to me. And I just learned about in the last week. And it's called Fearful Avoidant, a.k.a. Disorganized. That's a big one. (laughs) I know. I've I've learned so much. And I'm now totally fascinated. And you're going to see by the end of this, my my mind is totally changed and what I thought my perspective was on this. Mm -hmm. All four of these behavior, all four of these attachment styles result in different behavior and approaches when it comes to relationships. And quite often, someone of one style might meet someone of another style. It's like those things of, you know, the person that shows up to the airport three hours early and the person that shows up two minutes before the flight, and then they meet each other and they date. (laughs) Tell you that does not work for me. I am an early arriver and I was married to a last minuter for the airport and it did not go over well ever. Well, I have to confess my boyfriend and I are, that is the case. We actually went to Miami earlier this year. He was at the airport on time, I think an hour before boarding, which is exactly when you should be there. I showed up during boarding, actually after our boarding group had been called. And he was like, well, nice of you to show up. I'm so glad we're going to go together because I was going with or without you. (laughs) Like, oh no, so bad. All right. So Laura, had you, had you heard of attachment styles before? You know, when did you learn about this? 
I mean, same as you, probably not until very recent with dating. I feel like, I mean, I think anybody dating in there when we were in our 20s, like no one's paying attention to any of this. Like you're just out there mucking around. Um, And then when I first started dating after my marriage, again, I didn't really think that much about dating or dig into any of this. So it has definitely been more recent, probably since we've been doing this podcast and thinking about dating, I'm paying more attention to it and more attention to myself. So definitely newer for me. Yeah, I, you know, I remember when I first heard about, I actually met someone on the apps and this person, I only dated him for like a month, but he actually sent me this. He was like, have you heard of attachment styles? And I was like, no. And I was like, where is this going? And he sent me a quiz. He was like, well, why don't you take this? And I was like, you're kind of weird. I don't think we're going to date, but okay, I'll take the quiz. And it was an attachment style quiz and it gave me my results. And I remember thinking, this does feel correct. Actually, yeah, I had the same experience when I first took the quiz, which was probably like a year or so ago. I'm like, oh, all right. So all of the ways that I've acted in past relationships and different like it, it all tracked. Yep, it made sense. Yeah. Well, it was kind of interesting because that you know what I think things like this do? Well, there's two ways you can take it. You can either take it as a label. And we're going to go further into this. You can either take it as a label and be like, oh, well, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. Or you can take it as information and be like, oh, okay, I understand myself better now. And it equips you to perhaps make different cha- different choices or think about things more deeply or resolve things that maybe you just haven't been conscious about before. So I think and that I think is it, useful. It helps you see partners in different ways too. Like understanding that people have different relationship attachment styles, like it can kind of maybe in hindsight, think about a relationship and realize, oh, well, that's what was going on. And that's why things didn't quite go how I thought they would. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been helpful. It's been a helpful tool to understand myself a little bit better. Uh, And I'm really excited about, funnily, since you and I happened to have taken these quizzes so long ago, we actually retook it. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a fun conversation to see how we've changed and grown and and kind of what that journey has looked like in a measurable way, which is Mm -hmm. kind of fun. All right. So this is kind of fun. I always have kind of an allergic reaction when someone's like, oh, this is because of what happened in my childhood. And I'm not saying that that's not correct, but it's always like, oh. Yeah, but do you want that to like run the entire rest of your life? But we're about to have that conversation right now. (laughs) I have to say that first, but now that's what's about to happen, FYI. All right, so one thing we learned is that if a child can consistently rely on their parents to fulfill their needs growing up, they're likely to develop a secure attachment style. Mm -hmm. So remember, those different types are secure, anxious, avoidant, and then disorganized. Those are the four to keep in mind. So if their parents can fulfill their needs growing up, if they can depend on their parents, they're likely to develop a secure attachment style. They'll see relationships as a safe space where they can express they can express their emotions freely. That sounds pretty great. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Ideal outcomes, right? Yeah. Love that. However, on the other hand, insecure attachment styles develop if a child has had a strained bond with their caregivers. And we say caregivers because sometimes people only have one parent or they have multiple parents or they're raised by people who are not their parents. So that's why we're using the word caregivers. This happens when the child learns they may not be able to rely on others to fulfill basic needs and comfort, which that's a lot of kids. And it makes sense, right? Because that's where you form all. I mean, again, none of this doesn't make sense. Like it makes sense that that impacts how you relate to other people as you get older, for sure. Yeah. And the value of all this is it's like a framework that connects all the dots together. So you understand the big picture. 
that's why I, I think this is a really helpful tool. Now, there are a ton of books and articles out there. Like Google it and you're going to have 300 pages of results. Yeah. This is a heavily studied thing. Pro- probably the most popular source you're going to see is a book by a psychiatrist. I'm about to bust out some big words here. By a psychiatrist and a neuroscientist, Amir Levine, and then a psychology expert, Rachel S.F. Heller. And that book is titled Attached. The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Keep and Find Love. In any dating group you might be in, a lot of people are going to recommend it. It's probably one of the top sources, I think, mm-hmm. of, of books. That For sure. Might I mean, that's this. what I feel like people referencing attachment styles right now are pointing back to that book for sure. Yeah, it's critically acclaimed. People love it. Okay, so off the cuff, Laura, which attachment style would you say you relate to best? As far as how I am? Yeah. Like in in a like natural state, and I know you and I have lots to say about this, but like, which one would you say you gravitate more than the others? I mean, I do, and we'll get into this, but then I see the anxious pieces and I see the secure pieces. And I think based on my childhood, I should be a hundred percent secure, but then I see other pieces that aren't. So I'm kind of, kind of living in those two zones. Yeah. Turns out we're a work in progress. And that's the other thing. You can you can live in multiple areas and just veer more towards one versus the others. I know for me, the when I, whenever I first started looking into this, I definitely related to the anxious attachment mm-hmm. style the most. You know, I just uh, – avoidant doesn't resonate with me at all. Disorganized yeah. doesn't relate to me at all. I do have a tendency to be kind of codependent anxious do they like me do they love me are they gonna leave you know that's kind of where I have tended to veer in the past so as soon as I read about that one I didn't even need to take the quiz a year and a half ago I was like oh that's clearly me I already know how this is gonna go I know the results I'm gonna get I know what that pie chart (laughs) is gonna say it's gonna be heavy on anxious all right in news that surprises nobody according to a 2018 study women score higher on anxious attachment and men tend to score higher on avoidance when it comes to relationships. It is important to say though, that the gender differences are small and they have no direct impact on a person's attachment style. Like just because you, you know, are a man doesn't mean you're going to be avoidant just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're going to be anxious. That's just how the study turned out that they veered in those directions. And I do think that there are a lot of societal pieces that kind of feed into to those predilections, like, um, and we'll get into that too, but I feel like that kind of feeds into that a little bit more. Well, I was thinking about that. Like, I really have asked, and I don't have an answer for like, I mean, it must be societal. Like, how, how does that happen? Why is that? Is it because women are more, tend to be uh, allowed to be more in touch with their emotions? They're allowed to be more expressive without repercussions? Like, is that what it, like... Obviously, we are not the researchers, so now we're veering into just, like, what do we think about that? But I wonder that. Like, is that what's leading to that? What makes men avoid emotional connection? I mean, I think you you hit on it, absolutely. Like, they're, you know, not natural. Our society does not naturally position men to be really tapped into their emotions. It's not okay to cry. It's not okay to have to share your deep feelings. There's a lot of that that... You know, if you're not raised, you know, the old school boys will be boys and boys are raised differently than girl and all of that. Then 
I would assume that kind of feeds into how you feel like your position is in a relationship that you don't have to connect that. Oh, she can talk to her friends about that. She doesn't talk like, I I think, and again, I think it's very like 1950s, like (laughs) ideology, but I still think some of that raises, you know, through to men today, not all, obviously we know things are shifting and changing and it's not a blanket for everybody, but I do think that there are some pieces of that that pull through. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we can uh, take turns flipping through. Let, let's dive into each uh, attachment style. Mm-hmm. All right. First one. Secure. It's the one we all want to be. The gold. Right? Gold that's, star. That's the best one. We like that one. A plus. Teacher's pet. You've won the day if you're if you're the secure attacher. Some things about that. Um, so if we're going to define secure attachment, it's an ability to build healthy, long-lasting relationships People with those secure attachment styles, they tend to navigate relationships well. They're generally positive, trusting, and loving to their partners. Okay, all good things. I like all of this. Three characteristics to think about. They're able to regulate their emotions, which I love it when people bring that up because how terrible are most people at regulating your emotions? Mm -hmm. Like being able to regulate your anxiety, regulate your moods, you know, able to, and I don't think control is the right word. I really like the word regulate. It doesn't mean that you're holding anything in. It just means that you are not like busting open the, you know, the silo with a tsunami of emotions. You are, you are allowing it out in a, in, in a regulated way. Yeah. Healthy outlets. Yeah. And you're still saying exactly how you feel and what you think. Secure attachers easily trust others. They have effective communication skills. Like it. I like all of this. This all sounds wonderful. Now, Laura, for you, and I'm just, okay, so I'm taking us back. So Laura and I are in a healthier place now. I feel okay saying that out loud. I mean, God help us. I hope we're in a healthier place than when we were when we first started dating. Now, take yourself back to when you were maybe not, maybe in a less healthy place. Have you ever dated a secure person when you were maybe a little bit more of a mess? How did that go? Yeah. So actually my first serious relationship right after my marriage um, was was with someone who I would say was uh, kind of fit more of this kind of secure definition. And so I was messy, right? I have just come out of a long-term relationship. I am mid-divorce. Things are just all over the place, chaos. And again, he was very even keeled. He was a good communicator. He, you know, we had that baseline of trust and care and all of those things. And um, I, I've honestly, like I learned a lot from that relationship, especially from the communication piece and just a lot of good, healthy relationship habits. So I know that could have gone many different ways and often does go many different ways. But for me, it was a really great situation to be in. And I learned a lot. And that was just happenstance. I just happened to meet this person at the time I did, who was in a very, who was a great partner and again, very, very secure. So what made you able to take that in and appreciate it? It was honestly just so easy. It was from coming from, you know, of, you know, I think when a marriage ends, like a lot of that, there's some rough stuff that has happened. And 
this was easy. Again, he would sit like when you've talked about your table flipping and fiery relationships and all these things, this was a person where you just sit and have really long in-depth conversations all night. And sometimes we just talk to death. So that was a lot on occasion, but again, it was clear communication. I always knew where he stood. I knew what he thought about me. There were no game playing happening. He was open. He was caring. I trusted him. There was never any reason not to trust him. Like it was when someone's like that with you, it is absolutely easy to go to where they're at. Like that's like the red carpet for a relationship for sure. Yeah, that's all. He sounded very loving. Like everything you've ever said about him. What about you? Have you had any similar? I haven't been able to connect with anyone that was secure until all the last year. Yeah. I Something flipped in me a year ago where, and I really put it to myself. Like I, like, I don't think I was attracted to or able to connect to Mm -hmm. people who were secure until a year ago. Some sort of switch flipped a year ago where I started saying no to people who were not secure. And we had a big conversation. Rowdy Ryan and I connected about a year ago. We had a big conversation where he wanted to do the in the middle thing. And I said, absolutely not. We're either together or we're just friends. So that was actually a big step for me to recognize mess and say no to it. So, and funnily, what my boyfriend and I have talked about this a few times and I've told him, you know, if we would have met any sooner than we actually met, I don't Mm -hmm. think you would have been interested in me. You would have said, I'm too messy for you to get involved with. I really do. So I'm actually pretty thankful for that because I just don't see that going well, you know, before the last year. For sure. That's been really interesting. I really do put it to, I I think you start finding more and more, like my dating totally changed a year ago. The messy people were gone within a date or two. They really did not stick around. Whereas before I would have like anxiously hung on to them for dear life. And it's just, I've grown and I don't, I stopped doing that. And my life got so much better after that. I will say. Once you shift, it makes it so much easier to recognize the mess. And it's like, and you're can seem so much clearer, like, well, why would I want anything to do with that? Like, that's nonsense. I'm over here and I'm in a good place and I want someone who treats me well and doesn't play games and all of those things. And you can just pick them out so much more easily now of like, no, that's, it's a train wreck waiting to happen. Well, and that really is what a secure person does when you're insecure. You're like, oh no, why don't they want me? Why don't they, you know, and you like, you'll take anything. Yeah. And you're so committed to making them act right. When you're secure, you just say no. Say no, thanks. Yeah. No big deal. I don't need it. And you walk away and you go spend time with someone who treats you well and who is there and is real and it's healthy. You really learn to start saying no. It's on you. Again, too, when you're secure, then your default is not being in a relationship versus being in one that that is unhealthy. And so that divides things up very easily at that point. Yeah, I think once you really take to heart, the default is being alone and being with yourself. I actually, I know for me, that changed everything in such a positive way. It's not, you know, I have five people I'm talking to that I've matched with on apps. Which one do I pick? That's the wrong way to think about it. It really should be, is there is there anyone here at all that I want to get to know that it feels good and I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to know them and it feels healthy and not chaotic and wild and makes me feel bad. It's really a switch that I think you're just wasting time. I think until you make that switch, that the default is to be alone. It's not to be with whoever is in front of your face. Yeah. And often who is in front of your face is our our old friend, the anxious attacher. So this attachment style, so 
it is sad that it comes from inconsistent parenting, like we talked about. And so people with anxious attachment styles, they tend to feel unworthy of love. They need reassurance often from their partners. Um, That's, I feel like a common thread of things we talk about. They blame themselves for challenges in the relationship. Um, They can be jealous or they don't trust easily due to poor self-esteem. And they often feel a lot of fear around being abandoned, rejected, being alone. Um, So I think those are really the kind of key highlights, rejection, abandonment, um, needing a lot of validation, just like so many needs from uh, a partner and that codependent piece as well. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Again, like, I feel like we have um, both um, lived in this space before, Um, Heather, I think you and I both, like we said, took that quiz and um, we're not surprised when um, anxious attachment came up. Well, do you remember this also made me, this gave me a memory actually of you and me and our friend who's not allowed on the podcast because she's in love with her lobster, longest title ever, that whenever you and I were in the throes of anxious attachment, we had all these coping mechanisms. And one of them was bring your bananas to the group chat. Don't mm-hmm. bring it to the person you just started dating. Cause like we both, we were at least aware that we were being bananas and we yeah, would the things even have that you like don't say out system. loud and your the things you don't say out loud in your relationship like you just whispered in the group chat like <laughs> yeah like you're trying to act all together and amazing and confident and so attractive when on the inside you are freaking out over some you know whatever but we used to have a system like <laughs> we told each other whenever you are feeling some bananas just bring them here to the group chat and we're gonna talk about it and there were even a few times that like we would give each other the business and joke with each other a little bit. And there was one time Laura was like, is this a one banana situation or a whole bunch of bananas? Like how bad is this <laughs> banana situation? And that's just funny to me that that is really how white knuckly we were trying to get through dating as major anxious attachers mm-hmm. and trying not, trying not to be and only semi succeeding. Yeah, I think that was a chunk of like end of last year, early this year. Um, absolutely. And I was dating with someone who was very, I realized avoidant and that made me even more anxious and more attachy and more like everything because I couldn't read that person. And so every piece of me is to just like cling on and don't lose this and do all of them. I mean, I just like put my octopus arms on and just like sucked on it. Like, I mean, I just like could not because you had to keep this right. And yeah, it was bad. Well, I almost wonder, like, if you think about it, like on a range, it's important to put your, if you are healthy, it's important to put yourself out there and to be emotionally, you know, open and connect with that person. But I think once you see that they're not bringing the same thing to the table where anxious attachers go wrong as they do that, the octopus arm thing, or if you're secure, you say, you know what, you're not coming to the table the same way Mm -hmm. I am. So this is not going to go any further. That's the difference. Like put yourself out there, but when it's not happening, you need to recognize that and then make a decision and not try to octopus arm. (laughs) We have a new term now. I Um, I love it. We need an octopus sweatshirt now for the shop. (laughs) 
But that abandonment piece is huge because it's like, if you push on it too much, if you say those things, you're not meeting me where I'm at, I need this from you. Your mind is absolutely like, all right, is this it? Is this the tipping point? Is this where he chooses to leave? Was that too much? Did I say too much? Am I too much? And it's like, well, no, you are just on completely different chapters of this book right now. Like yeah. it doesn't work. Well, and you're right. You're tapping into something I didn't think about this way. When you're an anxious attacher, you're so mean to yourself. Because they were saying one of the main characteristics is that you depend on your partner for validation of codependent tendencies and you tend to take on the blame for when things aren't going yeah. well. You're really not very nice, to, nice or kind to each other, which I think is interesting because that's like all you want, right? So, and you're not giving that to yourself. Yeah. You ignore all of your needs. You, you know what you want and need out of a relationship, but like we talked about, you're willing to accept crumbs because you don't want to lose that person. Uh, it just, none of it makes any sense, but it does make sense because we both have done it. So, and yeah. I think there are a lot of anxious attachers out there. Like there has to be, I feel like the, one of the most common. Well, and that are- feeling is so powerful. That feeling is so powerful that you would rather get the breadcrumbs <laughs> than get rejected. Like that's really your priority. But you're never going to get the whole loaf. No, we're just all over with the (laughs) metaphors. Are we hungry? We want some calamari and we want some bread. We want some bananas. bananas. That's funny. All right. So avoidant, avoidant attachment style. Uh, I I mean, I love an avoidant person. I love it. It's my favorite. I love to chase. I love to feel uh, not fulfilled. I love them to be mean to me in my life. Those are the people that I have octopus armed. Mm. It's just a match made in heaven. But they're defined by failure to build long-term relationships with others because they have an inability to engage in physical and emotional intimacy, which as you and I have discussed on a very recent episode, intimacy is not just about sex. It's about that deep connection. It's about really seeing each other, Mm -hmm. or that's how I think about intimacy, that really at base is about really seeing each other for who, who you are, and they're not able to do that. The need for that emotional intimacy is just lacking in this type of individual. So romantic relationships don't really go anywhere deep. Yeah. I'm sure this sounds familiar to many people Mm -hmm. out there. And, you know, and while they might allow a romantic partner to engage with them, they're still not going to get emotionally close, you know, and their partner may feel like they can never get in there. They can never get inside and they will inevitably be stonewalled or dismissed when the relationship feels too serious for the anxious avoidant partner. Man, I'm just having a vision of dates past right now. <laughs> like to a T. Like this perfectly describes multiple relationships I've been in. They might persistently avoid emotional or physical intimacy. They are uncomfortable. They are uncomfortable expressing their feelings. They feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to them. They think you don't really need other people in life. And then in quotes, commitment issues. Ugh. So what do you think about that? I mean, to me, it makes me think about so many men on dating apps marking that they're looking for something casual. Mm-hmm. And I feel like casual is a really easy way to kind of behave in this way. Like we're not 
you know, we may sleep together, but we're not going to lay in bed talking and having those deep conversations, right? Because it's more, a little bit more transactional. It's a little bit more at arm's length and it's more comfortable if this is kind of the realm that you're in, like casual dating fits it to a T. It's not really going anywhere. You don't have to dig deeper. The expectations in your mind are very low. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Now, we, if we think back to that survey that we talked about earlier, it says that more men test high in this avoidant category. Mm-hmm. Does that match your experience? I already know what the answer is going to be, but I'm just going to ask, does that match your experience? What do you think about that? I, so I personally feel like I've dated all across the board. So okay. I I think I've, I feel like I've seen it all at this point. Yeah. I mean... I I learned a lot about myself. Like, really, this describes most of the men I have been with, Mm -hmm. most of them. I don't think I've actually ever dated an anxious attacher because that's just a big turnoff to me. That's so funny. I I have been an anxious attacher, but if I were to date (laughs) an anxious attacher, they would drive me so crazy. I would end that so fast. You know, it's very unattractive, I will say. But so, so most of the vast majority of the men I've dated have been avoidant, and it's really been bad for me. Whereas, you know, as we've said a year ago, I stopped doing that. My life is so much better and I'm so mm-hmm. much happier. Like, why did I do that? Like, I I was just trying to, like, fix not getting rejected. I wanted to get chosen. And so I was just, like, doing it to myself over and over again. And it's just – it's fascinating to me that I just kept doing it. And then finally I learned better and started doing better. When you know better, you do better. Thank you, Dr. Maya Angelo. <laughs> but – um. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Well, like I said earlier too, like, you know, last year, earlier this year, whatever, what does time mean anymore? Um, I was dating someone who was absolutely uh, avoidant to a T. Like, Heather, you know this because you were in the group chat with all the things that like, he won't talk about this or I have to bring things up or he's like, I mean, it was just like nonsense. Well, and I remember this was a situation where Laura was bringing an awful lot of bananas on a regular basis to the group chat. Yeah, because there were so many great things there. And so I would tell myself all the great things. He's a very nice person. He absolutely is. Like, he's a great person. But he also knows it too. I'm like, you are just like walled into this box of yours. And I don't know how to get in there. And you don't want me to get in there. And I don't know what to do with that. But I would just like twist and turn. And, you know, I would spend the time with him in my mind, when do I bring something up? Do I bring something up? Do I ruin this fun time? But we're having fun, but we need to talk about these things. I can't leave here and not feel like I kind of know where things are. And it was just nonsense because it didn't fit. We didn't fit together. He didn't want me to, to go, you know, he wanted to keep it at more arm's length, but wouldn't actually say that um, until after we had broken up and we saw each other this summer. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So I was kind of using you a little bit as an escape. And I'm like, yeah, that's what was going on. So, and it, I mean, yeah. it all made sense. I'm glad he acknowledged it at least. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes it makes it more complicated because I think a lot of people know that that's bad to say out loud. Yep. Like a lot of times I think what keeps us from moving forward and growing as humans is when we are hesitant to say the quiet part out loud. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting to me. And it really does hold you back. Like say it, just say it. And then you can work on it. If you really want to get better and a lot of, I mean, a lot of times people don't, they're very comfortable in their avoidant life or living in, in a way that is less or the smaller or the more screwed up. I mean, they're comfortable there yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to change. It is hard work to change. It really is. 
Yeah. And in that situation too, it was like intent versus impact or whatever, like his intentions were great. I know he cared about me. Like there was so much good there. He was a great person, but the impact of how he dated and how he dated me was terrible for me. I wasn't my happiest self during a chunk of that because I knew I was at an arm's length for, you know, a good chunk of that relationship. And I was again, octopus arming all around it like don't let and I knew I was doing it I was squeezing it so tightly because I didn't want to let it go because I saw all these great things and he's just like trying to escape like it was a terrible combination well octopus is the perfect metaphor for this because you're sucking the life out of everything (laughs) you really are by holding holding on so tight yep yeah and one I think also what's helpful is think about what you really want like, think about what kind of relationship you want. I, I think you got to step outside of who you're with. Like, step outside. Think about yourself. Just think about yourself for a minute. What are some of the top things that you want to have out of a relationship? Like, I know for me, I wanted to be with a loving person who could express that love. So I know now that an avoidant personality is not for me. And I think I'm strong enough now to just say no to it. Because when it comes down to it, I don't care what the chemistry is like with whoever if they aren't able to be loving and express that love to me, that's not what I want. It's really not. And so if you're conscious of that, it kind of makes it easier for you to say no to people that aren't able to do that for you. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Our favorite new one, fearful avoidant, also known as disorganized attachment style. Um, So the Anxious, disorganized uh, individuals, um, so they are likely to have um, extremely inconsistent behavior, difficulty trusting, um, they are unpredictable, they might be confusing, um, they can be aloof and independent, but then they can flip over to being clingy and more emotional, which is that confusing piece because that is really hard for your brain to process. Um, they really want love, but they also push people away. They're seeking out love. They're rejecting. So there's a lot happening there. So that sounds highlights. exhausting. It's a lot. It's a lot to just like think about because none of those things go together well for a person that I would want to date. Um, fear of rejection, inability to regulate emotions, high levels of anxiety, difficulty trusting other people. And so again, it's that mishmash of avoidant and anxious attachment styles that, oh, like, this sounds terrible. What? This sounds terrible. <laughs> Both like if that's you and to date that like, oh, that's a lot. That's and our, a lot. To our two people of that attachment style dating each other, because I don't even know if you would know what day of the week it was in the midst of all of that. Like that's a lot going on. Well, and I think about like a lot of times an anxious anxious attacher. Wow. Today is real tough for pronunciation. An anxious attacher and an avoidant attacher will date each other. And then think about if it's all in the same body. <laughs> Like just fighting in there. Yep. That sounds terrible and exhausting and awful. Yeah. I will say that I do feel like I have dated someone who mm-hmm. kind of fell within this. My gosh. Um, I know. Um, so my high school boyfriend, my first love, all of that. Bleh. Um, a barf on your face. <laughs> he was someone who was just hot and cold all the time. 
He needed a lot of praise and attention, but he would only like let me in when it was very convenient for him. And when he did do that, it was a lot of love bombing. So I could go on this like super romantic date with him, you know, to like Barnes and Noble or whatever you did. <laughs> that was what we did in high school. I, you know, super romantic, but I would spend this time with him and I was getting all of this. I have these big feelings for you and all of these things. And then, I mean, I didn't know the next day what person I was going to get, if it was going to be the the same, if he was going to pull away, if he was going to be mean to me. It, I mean, it was just all over the place. And this went on for like off and on for forever. Um, and he also was somebody who like for years, relationship to relationship, and they were all super big and serious relationships, like multiple engagements. He was going to marry me at one point. I mean, a lot there, a lot happening. He also tended to date women who were other than me. We, he and I were the same age, but a lot of the women he dated were significantly younger, which I always mm. thought was interesting. Cause I think there's also that kind of control piece a little yeah. bit and that praise or, you know, how it, you know, when you're in high school or college, someone who's older than you, like that's a significant thing where that kind of power comes into play. Um, and that's the first person I seriously dated. And so that is where I, unfortunately, I think we've talked about this before. I thought this was chemistry and passion and all of these things. And because I didn't know any better. And because when he was, you know, hot for lack of it, I mean, it was like romantic and it was like, oh, he said these things and it's so great. And then you think about that and like, not so much about when he went to the cold side and was not nice to you or the time he took my car and just like left with it. And I was like, is he coming back? What's going on here? Because he was being mean to me that day. Like there's a lot going on. He sounds like a treat. I think we may have a second t-shirt now that we need to make. We're going to have an octopus. Now we're going to have one that just says barf. Barf. That sounds terrible. All day long. Yes. But I really do think that high level of chaos, um, fits for 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 that experience for sure and it makes a lot of sense and I'm proud of myself for how far I have come in my dating journey to recognize such things and also to do better than what some of those experiences taught me I'm just that sucks that that was your first like relationship Uh experience and it was off and on for years too which I think is also a common place because these are the types of people who I feel like also boomerang back into your life at oh sure yeah. He even tried to come back in when I was with my now ex-husband, but like, I was like, I, am, and he's like, I aming me and I shut it down. Like I obviously wasn't, I wasn't married yet, but I was, you know, in this relationship yeah. and I was moving on with my life. And this is one I had dated when I was 18. And now I'm in like my early twenties. Why are you, why are you back here? Um, but yeah, he just like boomeranged through we're Facebook friends. Um, Hi. He's the one that us, you know who you are. Um, uh, but yeah, it's like they they come back up because they're hot and they're cold and they're this and they're that and they want that praise, that attention. And if you were giving that to them, they're so much seeking that. Ooh. Okay, wow. so situations like that are a good time to ask yourself, why do I love this person? Why am I with them? When the answer there terrible. was, I'm 18. And 19 and for 20 and, and 21. <laughs> when, when was it over? How old were you when it was finally for real over? Um, Last tw- week? No, 20. Okay. Probably 20. I don't know that we talked much after that, but that's also because he cheated on me. So 
and had <laughs> and had no and had no remorse about it. He's like, "Well, I slept with my ex." I'm like, "Oh, okay." And there was no apology. It was just like this, like, yeah, this happened. FYI. I'm like, "What?" So I think I, I I would like to think I think that was it. That was a real barfable moment. I'm sure. Yeah. Gross. So. All right. Well, in new news, so Laura and I today, I asked Laura to take the test and I took the test and there were two tests, two <laughs> tests. So if you Google that book that we mentioned before, Attached, they have two tests on their website. That is the one I took a year and a half ago. And then today I took the first one, which is just like who you are all by yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's a second test that's called a compatibility test. And it really is a test talking about your relationship that you are currently in, how you feel, yep. how you're responding, how they're responding. And everyone, drum roll, please. I came in as a secure attacher all by myself. And then in my relationship, secure, secure. It's great. Can I graduate from post-divorce dating school now? I mean, I think this is where we want to be. I would like to also announce that I am secure, secure. So I feel great about my choices. We need some champagne. (laughs) That's a lot of progress. I know. I'm proud of us. Everyone out there is like, wow, y'all are ridiculous. But I'm, I feel, I mean, it's like. I mean, I could see it when I was answering the questions. It was like, do you feel bad? Do you feel like you can be yourself? Do you feel like you can talk about issues? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Like I was able to say yes things. to all of them. And I was like, yep. I was like, this is good. You know, I, I will say part of me was not too surprised just because like, I know I can feel it. I feel so much more peaceful and grounded over the last year. You know, when I started making better choices for myself and actually like taking care of myself, I feel so much better in every area of my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. Laura knows she saw me when I was like literally like such a mess. Like I would get on Zoom and Laura would be like, you'd be so nice. I'd be like, I know I look terrible, (laughs) you know, and and things have just changed so much. You know, this is the first time in a long time that I feel like I'm in a relationship where I feel zero anxiety. Mm -hmm. We're really just getting to know each other and building a connection. There's no gaming the system. No, like wondering how he feels because he just says how he feels and I say how I feel. And it's like, what is happening here? Opening, Like, oh, I can talk about how I'm feeling and I'm not worried about how you're going to receive that information. No, it's so weird. I mean, it's amazing. I really literally have never had this before. I really feel like I can be myself. I can have those hard conversations, which was, I've said this many times is my big learning from 2022 because I've never been able to do that Mm -hmm. before. So I wasn't good at it. And I still have a lot to learn in that area. I'm not saying I'm amazing at it now, but just the fact that I can is a huge step for me. And I, I know now that I think I used to think attachment styles were written in stone. Like if you tested as an anxious attacher, that's just who you were forever. And I really don't think so anymore. I really don't. I think it's information, right? And you can start making hard choices. You can work on yourself. I know for me, just having this podcast has been, I mean, I know I'm like one of the co-hosts here, you and I, Laura, together, but it's really had a big part in helping me grow. Mm having a community of other people going through a lot of the same things that we are. And then finally starting to choose other secure people to be in a relationship with instead of these hot messes. It's really turned my love life around in a way that I could not have even imagined. 
it, it's always going to stand out to me. I was in a class once about a year and a half ago and some girl in the class said, I love my boyfriend so much. He's so sweet and kind and so wonderful. I want to be more like him. And I was like, what is that like? <laughs> I, I literally had that reaction. She's like 25. So I was like, oh, I feel like a loser. Barf. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that there's a, a big piece of how these styles work depend on who who if you're in a relationship, who that person is and how they interact with you and things like that. And you know, that relationship I was in before, I was at my probably my most anxious self, even though I had a lot of love for that person. There was a lot of good stuff there. And I could say, well, he's not treating me poorly, because I feel like that's also your benchmark. Who's not mean to me? He's not bull, but like it still wasn't a good situation for me. I think that's a really hard thing to reconcile. Um, And then now, so big updates, I was in a relationship and then I wasn't in a relationship and now I'm back into that relationship, which is like hot off the presses and very exciting, but still new. Um, But, you know, he and I just had this conversation about being anxious attachers and bonding over it. So I had to tell him today that I am no longer an anxious attacher. Um, Officially. but I told him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're not an anxious attacher either. Cause I see all of these great things with you and we're long distance and there's that trust and that communication and that openness. And you kind of need those things to be pretty secure in order to do that. So um, I see all those great qualities in him. He just needs to see it in himself. He has also read the this book, so he is well aware. So I don't think he's buying what I'm selling, but trying. Um, but it definitely like I see that shift in me because if I wasn't more secure, I wouldn't be able to be in that relationship and to trust it and all those things. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of who you're with really shifts how, how you come to the table as far as attachment. And I, like we talked about too, like who you choose. And if you are more avoidant, then you're probably going to choose partners who fit within that avoidant style. So it doesn't force you to change because they, they match with that in a certain way. And so that is your way of saying, well, this is just how I am. And it's like, well, but partly you're choosing partners who aren't challenging that piece of you. Yeah. It's not the end to understand that about yourself. It's just a piece of information you can use to grow. You're not stuck there forever. You're really not. You can make changes. You can be thoughtful about how you choose partners. You can look for someone who's more secure, or you can choose someone who's going to feed into whatever your style is and create that chaos or that drama or the whatever you're craving or someone who's also not, you know, who's more avoidant so you're both just avoiding which I think is a weird combination but also like again if no one's pressuring the other person to go deeper at all then like just go down that path so yeah I don't know you have choices I think in leading up to kind of our big takeaway or wrap up here so bottom line our attachment styles real Again, I think there are so many pieces that feed into it that I don't know that it's like a set in stone. Like I have a childhood that would absolutely, if we're using that piece of what this is founded on, my childhood would point me toward being pretty secure. But I think there are other things unrelated to my parents that, you know, factor into how I've approached relationships, how I felt about my body and how I look and all of those things. Because I think that impacts how you choose a partner, how you act in a relationship, how you might cling on to it is how you feel about yourself. And that has nothing really to do with, you know, how I was raised. So I think a lot of like my anxious attachment 
predilections come from other experiences in my life or partners I've had. Yeah. And well, yeah. And conversely, I'm like textbook. You can like, I would say even more than a textbook. Cause I think I've said on this podcast where I had 21 siblings, Mm -hmm. you know, most of my siblings came from abusive backgrounds. My house was not the healthiest. You can really track it. Like when the textbook (laughs) says you didn't get what you needed or it wasn't safe or you couldn't depend on. Yes. Like to, you know, take that what's in the textbook times 10. So I definitely can see that. It definitely makes me, um, I think I'm even an anxious attacher in a parental way. Like I'm so anxious about making sure my kids feel secure that I think I overdo it a little bit sometimes, you know, and I wouldn't say I'm controlling with my kids, but I'm so anxious about being a mom that takes care of my kids and making sure they have what they need that I think they pick up on it, to be honest. Like I overdo it. I'm anxious as a mom. So that's something that I'm, I I know that's not like outlined in attachment theory. That's really about romantic relationships, but I I see the connection as a parent and it's something that I'm working on and it gives me a lot of stress, to be honest. It's hard. It's hard to work on those deep seated things. Yeah. With my kids, I think definitely I try and view this opportunity of trying to show in the ways that I'm secure, that they can see that I'm, that I don't have this need for a relationship. Cause I do often think about if kids who grow up seeing their parent, one of their parents dating and this need, you know, going, you know, having a lot of different partners come in and out of their life and maybe in ways that might not always be the healthiest. I want to make sure that, you know, what my kids see is that I'm happy and I'm very secure in my single life as their parent and living that piece. And then if, and when I'm in a relationship that they know more about, they can also see that, you know, it's a happy and secure relationship. And that I think both sides of the coin hold a lot of weight as far as how your kids grow. And because again, a lot of your relationship skills are based on what you see and what's modeled for you. And I think both of those things are really important. Yeah. There's a lot here going all the way into the deepest stuff that we deal with over the course of our life. Yeah. Big takeaway I have is when you go to the grocery store, don't buy the octopus or the breadcrumbs or the bananas. (laughs) Those don't go anywhere good. No. My dumb joke. Barf. Laura saying barf to your (laughs) dumb joke. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you think we need to, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope some of this was helpful. This is very, this is a fascinating subject to me. So I'm glad yeah, to talk so about it today. Go take your quiz. If you haven't taken the quiz, if you're like me, you're never going to read the book. If you're like Heather, you're going to read the book. So you can figure out where you fit in that, but the quiz is real fast and easy and insightful. So, so I'll go ahead and put a link to that quiz that Laura and I were talking about. It's not, this is not a sponsored thing. Nobody actually, we might get in trouble for linking to it. I don't know, but I'm going to put it in there just because it was helpful to us. So I'll put it in there. So if you're curious what it might say about you, you can check it out. So look at the show notes, see what it says, but thank you guys. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Still thirsty? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more.